Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and man, oh man, do we have a jam-packed show for you today. Two very special guests on the Racing with Ryan hotline. It was blown up this week, and uh, we are very, very lucky to have J.R. Longley calling in here from the sponsorshipseminar.com. I know what you're thinking. Oh, a paid advertisement on your... Listen, he called me. And he told me about his product, and um, I said, I need to have this guy on the show because I feel like one of the biggest missing links anymore is sponsorship. Let's alleviate your costs a little bit. So we're going to talk to JR, find out what he's all about and what he's got to offer. And William Heinemann's going to join us on the second segment of the show to talk all about the Armadillo 100. He was the winner of the event but we talk a little bit of everything with, with William, so I think you guys are going to enjoy that. And then, of course, we do a quick little look over of the event as a whole. Third segment, jam-packed with everything from NASCAR to power rankings to fantasy to around the state to Thunder Road to everything that you've come to expect in the show, kind of crushed together in the third and final segment. So this week's show, a little bit different based on uh, the great guests that we have, so we want to fit everybody in. And um, again... I have JR on, and I'm going to let him start off the show because I think it's very important that we get back to finding ways to get sponsors involved in our sport. So not just so that, you know, you can get yourself a set of tires, but so that we can kind of give back to one another, get the sponsor involved with your car, with the track, and you give back to them. So we're going to start things off with our good buddy here, JR Longley from the sponsorshipseminar.com. Take a listen to that and then come back on the other side for segment number two, where we'll hear from the winner of the Armadillo 100, William Heinemann. All right, everybody, we want to take a moment here and welcome to the Race with Ryan hotline. Um, a gentleman I think is going to be very important uh, for our listeners here. We're going to welcome J.R. Longley from the sponsorshipseminar.com to the show. Thanks for giving us a call. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. And uh, we, we actually spoke a couple days ago to set all this up. And uh, when you were telling me what you have going on, I thought this would be a pretty important thing uh, to get out there on the show is we have a, uh, I would say about 90% listenership uh, is from our racers around Florida. And I feel like this will benefit them. So uh, before we get into talking about what the sponsorshipseminar.com is all about. Let's learn a little bit about you and where you came from. How did you get into racing? How long have you been involved with all of this? Sure. Um, currently uh, 64 years old, and I, I won't give you the you know the day-to-day you know, life story, but I raced go-karts for many, many years, starting at the age seven. Um, raced up until I think I was a sophomore in high school, started traveling with a guy, you know, turning wrenches, he raced, you know, AMA flat track motorcycles. Uh, when he got out of racing, uh, you know, I, I still have the bug and started helping a guy you know, on a super late model dirt car. Uh, when I say helping, you know, obviously doing some mechanic work, but primarily my focus was looking for in sponsorship and helping these guys secure some money. And, you know, from there, uh, again, with my age, you know, a lot of your listeners might not remember this, but we used to have a traveling super late mall series called the All Pro Series. We had a multi-time champion there, Jody Ridley. You know, I worked with Jody. He's long since retired, still a good friend of mine, and um, you know, helped helped the guys with the car and, and so on. And 
after taking a short period of time away from literally traveling, you know, helping racers, I was working mostly from home and, you know, helping raise my two boys and so on. But I've always been known as the sponsorship guy or somebody who can help, you know, the local racer. I was lucky enough to meet a man uh, in Atlanta in 2008 who introduced me to a, at that time, an up and coming racer, um, went to work for their family in doing sponsorship work totally, uh, and, and took him, you know, onto the truck series. I, I moved to Charlotte, I worked in the, the NASCAR world, the IndyCar world, uh, done some stuff with drag racers, you know, so it, it's always people see me in the pits at a racetrack. Hey, there's that marketing guy or that sponsorship guy. I don't really like those titles. I just I just enjoy helping helping people and you know helping them achieve their goals. And that's that's things that I've enjoyed doing my whole life. So uh, a few years ago, I started noticing more and more people, local racers, telling me, you know, Jr. Somebody needs to teach. Somebody needs to put this in a format for more local racers to be able to access it because what I have learned through all of my years helping people from motocross to remote control cars to asphalt to dirt, it, it doesn't matter. It seems like the racer, in my opinion, we all have opinions, but in my opinion, they seem to want to approach the idea of sponsorship wrong. And I've been told by so many people, I don't have luck doing it. I don't know how to do it, et cetera, et cetera. So I put together the sponsorshipseminar.com and offer this information, which it is not. I want to make, make very, very clear. It's not a subscription service. It's not anything that, you know, you log in and then, you know, you pay me more money and you get the real information, you know, 90 days from now. This is a one time you're in, you're out, um, etc you know and it's uh it's something that is so simple but yet racers in general at the grassroots level have no idea so it's not a it's not a secret sauce or anything like that you know it's just basic common sense so that's a, a snapshot in a few minutes of who i am and what i'm doing well it sounds to me like um you're a big race fan who's been around it a while and um, I, I think it's very important to have people that are in the pit area, in the industry, that try to help others. Because if there's not, you know, those people trying to help either get information out, help the racers continue uh, to be able to race, then our sport is going to go away. So it sounds like um, one of the biggest issues in, in racing these days is cost. It's a very expensive sport from a local level or even up the NASCAR ladder. It's very expensive to do this um, just to get the cars to the racetrack uh, never mind how much you might be racing for on any given night so um, you know in my line of work I, I help by getting content out and keeping information flowing and giving people um, something to listen to and you're the guy who's able to help these teams that might not have the avenues or know how to even put themselves out there it sounds like to me well you're you're spot on in your analysis there and you know, I've um, I've found, and you know, it's open for debate. But I I believe that the the local racer, the guy who shows up every week, or let's say every time the gates are open, uh, is he's um, the backbone of most racetracks. Absolutely. You know? And but yet, why why can't he find 
you know, $500 from this guy, $500 from this guy. And, and I really push that, which is contradictory to the attitude that I have found that racers have where they will sell a space on their vehicle, you know, January the 15th, and they'll sell that space for $500. And that's, that's what they receive from the guy. And they think that space is so valuable and but yet it was a $500 check you know the, what I teach and show you is how to collect $500 a month from that guy and if we have you know three four five businesses local businesses promoting their company or promoting their service or their product on your car and you're collecting a check each month there's a huge difference in how you can go about racing in general then if there's uh, anything I know about sponsorship, whether it be in racing or uh, just in general, um, it's it's more than just an exchange of, of money or an exchange of service or whatever. It's about building a relationship. And if you can keep that relationship going, um, that likely will turn into, like you said, maybe a monthly thing or a yearly thing where it's not just a one-time, got your name on the, the race car and that's it. You, you do have to build those relationships. Absolutely. And one of the things I, I talk about briefly, um, you know, in the seminar is the importance of the, not only the relationship, but the referral letter. Um, if, if, if I'm a business owner and I'm working some sort of program with you to promote a, a special at my business and we, we agree to a six month program or a 90 day program where I'm going to pay you X amount of money and you ring my cash register. Why would I not want to write your referral letter that then you can take and use on down the road for someone else? So um, it's, again, as I said in my introduction, it's a lot of common sense things that I, uh, that I try to teach. And, you know, like I said, it's not a, it's not a magic sauce or anything. It's, it's, um, it, it centers more around attitude and approach um, than it does anything else. And I actually go in, in depth and how to look at, you know, kind of changing your attitude uh, as a racer. What have you found, especially lately at like a grassroots level, what have, what have you found that most people come to you um, looking to get quote unquote covered? Is it a full season? Is it tires? Is it all of the above? What's the, what's the magic thing that everybody's looking to get these days? A, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I talk in the seminar briefly about tradition, tradition in the sport and, and how we, we're even at a point today of the word sponsorship. And, and I bring up things, um, and I don't dwell on the history, but if you looked at a NASCAR video of 1972, uh, tell me the sponsors on the car. It was Bill's Hardware or Joe's Garage. Yeah. But the famous fight in the infield at Daytona in 1979, one million percent changed the definition of the word sponsorship. And without going in through the whole seminar, so many people, you know, that's 40 years ago, roughly, or whatever. But, <clears throat> you know, your, your audience or, your, or the racer, uh, they have heard these stories through the years of I had someone buy my tires for the year mm -hmm. or I, I sold, you know, my hood for the year or I sold a quarter panel. And that has traditionally been passed down through the years because I read something not long ago and I honestly can't say where it was, 
where over 60% of the local racer today, racers, regardless of what they're racing, come from a racing family. Absolutely. Uh, Dad, granddad, uncle, or someone. So that's why that I, I actually bring up the tradition of how sponsorship attitudes and, and the attitude towards sponsorship was determined years ago, and we can't seem to shake that apple off the tree. You know, it's people. People just seem to hang on to these old ideas, and if someone is going to give you money to put their name on a car. <clears throat> I assure you, it's not to watch you go down the front straightaway at a racetrack at 100 miles an hour. They're looking for some way to move more product, more merchandise. And what I go into in the seminars, I give some examples of how you can actually do that. Um, but again, I keep using the word attitude. It's it's not a secret sauce. I'm trying to make racers in general, look at the definition of the word sponsorship and what it's truly all about. It's not selling your quarter panel or selling, if you're a motorcycle racer, it's not selling the back of your jersey. Because if the racetrack's muddy, they're not going to see that sponsor name anyway. Right. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, they come off turn four at a, at a dirt track or an asphalt track and they scrape the wall. They're not out of the race, but they just tore up those decals. So nobody sees that anyway, yeah. you know, for the most part. So um, if you if you develop the correct attitude and you understand the true definition of sponsorship, again, it it changes your your opportunity for success. So to circle back to your question, people ask me all the time, you know, for what do you think my quarter panel is worth? I don't know. I haven't visited a junkyard lately. You know, I don't know what it costs to make one. I don't know what it costs to go to the junkyard and buy one because that's not what I'm promoting. Right. I'm not promoting the it's, value of a quarter panel. Exactly. Sure, does that make sense at all? Right? No, it, it does because there is so much value, even even today at our, our short tracks with, with the space that we have on these cars and the social media presence that a lot of teams bring, which is a big part of the marketing side of motorsports nowadays. And, you know, I, I've observed, you talk about the beginning of sponsorships, how it was the local hardware store at the NASCAR tracks. And then it, as NASCAR got bigger, especially into the 90s, 2000s, it was these Fortune 500 companies all over these cars. And now what, you, what you're seeing again is, because there's so many ways to advertise nowadays, you're seeing the smaller companies back on these NASCAR cars. Now, some teams still have the big sponsors, but a lot of teams are taking what they can get. And that's a lot of these new upstart, smaller companies trying to get their name out there. And that's, in my opinion, what grassroots racing really has an opportunity for is to get these smaller local companies a chance to get their name out there in front of, you know, what's mostly a local crowd. So I, I feel like that there's so much opportunity and value in that area. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, <clears throat> there's actually a, a, a time in the seminar where we talk about social media mm-hmm. um, and the value, the value of social media uh, and how racers, uh, I can't, I would, I think I can quote the line, you know, people, people ask me, this, this are my own words in the seminar. People ask me, you know, how can I use it? And I say any way that is positive, you, yes. you need to be pounding out content every day you know, uh, two or three times a week, whatever. Your social media, uh, regardless of whether you like it or dislike it, 
local business owners in your town, you know, Mr. Miss Racer, whoever you are, even the local hardware store is active on social media in some form. Right. It could, it could even be, let's back up, you know, to, to just Facebook. You know, now we have other forms and, and so on. We all know that. You know, we're living in a, in a social media kind of world. Mm-hmm. So I actually incorporate social media into uh, part, part of the seminar. I kind of go through a few different sections per se, you know, and um, to, it's a, a step-by-step process, uh, like I said earlier. Another thing um, that, that I wanted to bring up is I, I come from uh, – well, I grew up up north, and I watched racing up there, and I noticed that all the cars up there seem to have a sponsorship. And their mm-hmm. season is a bit shorter than what we get down here where uh, we technically can race all year round if we if we want to. Um, yes. and, and I notice a lot of people, you know, I just – I see it online. It's so expensive. I can't afford to do it anymore. And they just stop doing it instead of looking for sponsorship to get them through the season. So I feel like this is such a great way to remind people, hey, there are ways – don't give up. There are ways to go out there and do it we're, we're, without making yourself feel like you're pushing yourself on somebody. And, and show, Now, if you go through the seminar and you take some of this advice, you can actually find a way to you know, get yourself out there without feeling pushy or feeling uncomfortable. I, I, I believe there's – a lot of that value behind what you're offering. Well, thank, thank you very much. And it, it's funny you, you use the words don't give up. I think I use those words in the seminar two or three times when I actually go through a little small, spend a couple of minutes talking about overcoming objections. You know, if you're told no, it's not the end of the world. You know, don't don't give up. Hang in there and keep trying because anything that that is a dream for you is something worth pursuing, you know. And I, I love quotes that I see, and you know, one I, again, I can't quote it exactly, but you know, you alone need to be responsible for your dreams. Um, so don't give up. You know, take a different idea, take a different twist, and and a different approach. And and again, not not to try to be, uh, not to try to step on anyone's toes, but if you've been in racing a long time, like I have, how many times have you seen a racer? chase a new shiny object yeah. think, thinking that that will improve not only their lap times or their win percentage with the ultimate goal is then you know a company Mr. Mr. Whoever is going to want to sponsor me you know we've moved so far beyond that that day and age um, but, but it, it always it fascinates me that racers will chase the next shiny object, even down to, you know, a different bolt for a valve cover, you know, or, you know, just something to me that seems a little bit silly because we, we, we don't always take a good common sense approach to our racing in general. So that's, you know, I spend some time talking about these things in the seminar. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to, to put it. Now, I have a, a maybe this is an interesting question for you. Um, okay. I, I know a lot of these racers uh, at grassroots levels and, and stuff. Maybe maybe some of the lower level guys. Um, I, I know a lot of them have companies and they run their own companies, and that's kind of what they use to to put into their their racing stuff. Do you feel that it's smarter to uh, leave their car blank for more opportunity for someone to say, hey, I could sponsor that guy? Or do you think it'd be more advantageous for them to put their company name on the race car? 
Um, <clears throat> that's, I, I appreciate the question. Uh, and again, I can offer an opinion, but I don't know that there are true facts to, or, you know, a true factual answer to that because there are, there have been multiple racers, even to the top of NASCAR. I don't think I've ever seen it in IndyCar where they will do a, you know, run a blank race car and put the words, you know, sponsor needed. Um, it, I'm, I'm, I guess I would lean more towards the no because um, one of the things I talk about in the seminar, and I'm, again, I won't go into all of the details of yeah. it, but <clears throat> when you use that approach, a business owner, more times than not, I'm not going to say, I'm not dumb enough to say that it will never work, but I will say in my career and what I've seen in 40 years, more times than not, that business owner you know, you've ever heard the phrase perception is reality. Mm -hmm. what, what they are perceiving is you've gotten yourself into a hobby that you cannot afford. Hmm. So you're asking them, you know, when you say sponsor needed or, or whatever, you know, the, the business owner for the most part will look at you as if you are just looking for funding for your hobby. Now we don't have exposure at the grassroots level you know, like NASCAR being on live TV and everything. So, you know, it, it, we, we can split this hair multiple ways. <clears throat> and if a racer believes that there is enormous value for a, a jersey, if he's a motorcycle racer, a quarter panel or a hood, if he's a, a stock car racer, you know, the side of a gas tank or a fairing on a go-kart racer or whatever, if they see this tremendous value in that space and that's what they are building their whole program around, I would challenge them um, to explain that. Because, again, at, at whether it's New Smyrna or, or Five Flag Speedway, wherever, uh, if, if it's – you know, a dirt track, you know, race cars, it's not unusual for a race car to travel 70 to 120 miles an hour, right? Yeah. So, right. So a fan didn't buy a ticket to come sit in the grandstands just to read the sponsor names on the car. That's a good point. The, the fans bought the ticket to see good competition. And so going back to your question, is it better to run a blank car or put a name on it? think i would lean more towards what difference does it make and i'm not trying to be ugly when i say that you know if if you truly believe that that value is there in a quarter panel and you truly believe that you know john doe sitting on the 10th row is going to read the name on that quarter panel as you zoom past him i think you're teasing yourself well and that leads right back into how you know you discuss there's so much more to just putting the name on the race car and that's it there's so much more that you should do uh, for the benefit of your partner. And that's a, a good way of what we just discussed right there, of coming all the way back around and showing why you, you said it. Sitting in the grandstands, even if you are trying to read the car, sometimes you can't. So um, that's such a great point. Um, now, on our show here... Oh, what? Go ahead. I had a, had a dear friend of mine many, many years ago uh, he taught me this. This was in the, uh, I guess, the early 80s, 81, 82. 
uh, and he actually worked in Daytona for NASCAR. And he said, one of the things you might not believe this just yet, but there will be a time when you understand. He was a very wise guy, in my opinion. He said, sponsorship is easily defined. It basically doesn't have much to do with what happens on the racetrack. Sponsorship is pre-race and post-race. Mm. He said, mark that down and you will see a time in your life. He's, he's already dead and gone now, you know, but he, he, was a, he was a wise old guy. And those words have stuck with me. And, and to expand on that just a little bit, he said, because what happens pre-race and post-race is the only thing that you can control. That's a good point. I mean, that's that's why my question before I end an interview is always, is there anybody else you like to thank? And sometimes the guys are really good about nailing all their sponsors. But when you're excited in the heat of the moment, it might be easy to, to forget somebody. So after they've said what they have to say, I always ask, is there anybody else you want to thank? Just in case I've forgotten. And sometimes it's the wife. You got to make sure you get that out there, too, so that you can come yeah. back next week. Yeah. But yes. that, that's why, and I'm sure some people, like, we always ask the same questions. There's there's a reason why I make sure to get that in. It's because I feel like if there's not a lot of time and opportunity to speak to the crowd at a short track race because it's go, 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 go. And I feel right. like those couple of minutes in victory lane are the most important for getting that sponsor stuff out there. So I'm glad you you mentioned that as well. Yeah, because we got, we got to roll the next class. You know? Right, or else we'll be there until yep. 2 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And I and I want to I want to take just a second, although you didn't ask me this. I you, but what triggered my thought was you saying you always ask this: Is there anyone else that you want to thank? I want to make sure that everyone listening to your show understands that I am not saying there is zero value to decal placement. You know there there is value to it, but the value is nowhere near what racers think it is. Right. You know. And, and that local business, yeah, he's going to want his name and he's going to maybe even want a receipt and, you know, where he paid you the money. And, yeah, sure, he's going to include that in his marketing budget and so on. He's going to put a picture of the car on the wall and so on in case he's ever audited. You know, I'm, right. I'm truly – so, so, yeah, there is there is value in decal placement, but it is, like I said, it's nowhere near what most racers think it is. Right. It's it's really what you do afterwards. Those those pictures, videos, social media posts. That's where that, that yeah. decal really sticks out. And you know, I, I talk about contests. You know, things that you can do. Contests built around, and I, I. It's so easy to refer to the local hardware store. You know, the the big box guys are replacing. You know, the local hardware store, but most towns still have one. Mm -hmm. You know, or a local dry cleaner, local pharmacy, local. Uh, florist or bake shop, you know, um, you know, a gutter company, a window company, vinyl siding. These are all local businesses that racers can promote and and do things for them. Like you said, via social media, uh, pre-race and post-race. That's where it is. That what happens on the racetrack. That's you know, that's where we're just gonna have our fun. We're gonna we're gonna watch the competition. Right. But I believe if you, if, you know, at your racetrack. If, if you grabbed 500 people and said, I'll, I'll give you a hundred bucks. If you can tell me, you know, how many sponsor names you saw tonight, <laughs> you actually pay for this data. There's not going to be a lot of people take your money because they, they, but they'll, they'll tell you how interesting, you know, the pro late model race was. And it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. They're, they're more focused on what happened on track versus what they, what they saw in the hood of a race car, which is a, a great point. Um, 
I, I did, did want to ask you and kind of um, talk about uh, what you're offering here on the sponsorshipseminar.com. Um, primarily our show, you know, we, we're uh, stock car racing focused. Now, obviously you do much more than just stock cars. Yes. Yes. Because, because the approach is the same. Yes. Uh, several years ago to, to tell you, um, several years ago, I was approached by a traveling remote control car racer. He raced on dirt. You know, they, they look like little miniature motocross tracks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his dad was very convincing that, you know, he wanted wanted some help. So I gave some suggestions and kind of helped the kid a little bit. And within about 90 days, we picked up $5,000 worth of sponsorship, 2500 in cash and 2500 in parts for a remote control car. Now, let's talk about space on a remote control car. But this kid worked his tail off to promote the two businesses. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it doesn't have anything to do with the on. I should say it doesn't have anything. But it, it's not focused around the on track product or the on track visibility. So yes, I'm um, quarter midgets, uh, open wheel cars, uh, go karts. I mean, go kart racing is huge. You know. Um, so the, the process is the same if we just simply stop and think these words, pre-race and post-race. You know, it's, it's what we can do as, as an individual racer that's going to be at a racetrack every week. And, you know, he's, he lives in that town or he lives 50 miles away, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then that brings up a, a question I've asked, been asked. Okay, if I'm traveling to a racetrack every Saturday night, but I live 100 miles away, hmm, how many people are going to drive 100 miles to buy a box of nails at a hardware store, all right? So it brings to me, the way I see it and the way I teach it, it brings more clarity to the pre-race and post-race. You're driving 100 miles to a racetrack, um, you know, people aren't going to drive that far to pick up a dozen donuts or uh you know take their dry cleaning or so on so you're promoting that company and if it's a regional company now obviously if it's a regional chain that has 10 stores and you know three different states again you take on a different approach yeah but if it's the local hardware store um how is he benefiting when you're racing 100 miles away from this store He's benefiting because you're doing open houses. You're pounding the, the, the heck out of social media, not only your own personal social media, but you have access to his social media once a week where you're pushing some kind of promotion or whatever. Uh, and there are a lot of local businesses now that are shipping products, you know? Yeah. So, um, so again, it, it comes back to what I said, you know, a while ago, just the overall attitude about, the attitude and the definition of sponsorship. So, yeah, the, the approach is the same, basic, regardless of what you're racing, as long as you're not racing on a national level. What I work with, I've done million-dollar NASCAR sponsorship deals, you know, half-million-dollar deals, but I assure you the approach uh, is totally different because of the analytics and everything we have to go through to do those type deals that can possibly, possibly show that company some sort of return. And when you're asking, you know, a large, a major global corporation, 
for $5 million, $10 million, I assure you those decisions are not made on the spot and you have to work long, 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 hard hours to even get, uh, get that conversation started and going, you know? Yeah. That, that kind of stuff can take almost sometimes a year from what I understand to, to get going, especially at the national level. So, um, well, I worked for 18 months for a global corporation. There was a $6 billion business for a NASCAR truck driver. And after 18 months, I got a phone call and said, JR, we like everything you've done. Um, and I, I'm working with the director of marketing, the VP of marketing, uh, the chief marketing officer, you know, all these different people I've met with and had conversations and so on. And after 18 months, I got a phone call. I said, we, we like this. We think we want to move forward. Now we want to turn you over and introduce you to our agency of record, which the corporate office for this company was in New York, but their ad agency was in Philadelphia. Wow. So 18 months into this deal, and not to boast or blow my own horn, but I knew what I was doing, and I took us to that point. And then at 18 months, we were turned over to their their agency of record, it was called, and ended up with a two hundred fifty thousand um, dollar commitment. So I mean, that's, uh, that's that was 20, 22 months later to end up for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's quite a journey. So, yeah, yeah. So again, I want to go back and say, if we're talking to the local bakery or the local florist, we're we're not talking about decisions made on the spot, but we are talking about decisions that are made fairly quickly, not spread out over eighteen to twenty months. You know. Right. Well, the um, approach is totally different for for a national level type thing. As we've we've said all this and and gone over everything for those that that might be interested, let's talk a little bit about the where, the what, the how. How can they how can they take this seminar? Where do they go? What can they expect? Okay, uh, the, the web address is you and I both said the. Um, we have to include the word the, the sponsorship seminar.com. Uh, it takes you to the ending page. There are two places there, <clears throat> two bars that you click on, which then takes you to, I like to call it the pay page. And I'm not ashamed to say, and you know, it's no loss leader here. It's $99, 99 bucks for the seminar. Uh, it's, I'm an affiliate of speech for TV. They're handling all the distribution for me. Um, the seminar uh, is an hour and I think hour and nine minutes, hour and eight minutes. Uh, and then what I'm doing is because the information, if we go back to things I've said, <clears throat> it's, it's a, it's a reprogram, reprogramming as you will, maybe of the mind and, and how you approach this. Mm-hmm. So I leave the link open for 36 hours. So you, you go to the sponsorship seminar.com you know, have a pen and paper, you know, take some notes. <clears throat> you, you go in, you, you put your credit card information in there. You're given a link that you access the seminar. From that moment, your timer starts and it starts clicking off, you know, and you have 36 hours. And I am also very, very adamant in telling you as a racer, if you want to get two or three of your buddies together and, you know, I treat it like a college football game. Just don't get drunk, you know. Just, just <laughs> sit there. You know, everybody chip in. I'm not. I'm, it's not a get rich quick thing for right. me. You know, just you know, have have a couple of your friends over, and you guys split the cost of it. Um, 
over 40 years, I assure you, I've spent more than 99 bucks developing all this. And, you know, I, I kind of look at it. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an attorney. I'm not an accountant. But these are people that you pay for what they know. And, and I'm not a public spokesperson. I'm not a TV personality. And I, I laughingly like to say, don't shoot the messenger. You know, just listen to the message. Um, standing in front of a, a camera being filmed in a, in a room, that's that can be a little bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> you know, just yeah. to, and I'm saying this only to tell people, I'm just a real guy here. But I have been in the sport for approximately about 40, 41 years. And then that doesn't count, you know, when I was racing go-karts. I'm saying professionally out there doing sponsorship work, career path advancement. You know, I've been in the sport now roughly 40 years, and I am 64 years old. So um, I'm not, I just enjoy helping people. And that's why I say get a couple of your friends over if you want and uh, and sit down and watch the sponsorship seminar. Yeah, I think that'd be great for, for teams to even get together and even watch at the shop or something like that. I think that's a, a great yes. idea. Yes. And again, with, with 40 years over 40 years of, of knowledge being in and, and around racing mostly your entire life. Um, I think all of that and everything we talked about today, I think it's going to help change some mindsets like, hey, it is attainable for me to go out there and reach out to sponsors. Now they can learn how and come up with a game plan instead of just you know going willy-nilly with it. So I think this will uh, be very valuable and I hope that our listeners here will, will take some time. At least go to the website, check it out, see if it's for you. Get your team together. Like, like he just said, Get the team together. Um, you know, gather around, grab some popcorn, check it out, and see if, if uh, you can't uh, get some more value for your race team and, and help a local company uh, get their name out there as well. It's it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm also wise enough to know that racers typically are not salespeople, and that's, um, that's what I've been doing my whole career. I've been in sales. So, I, as a disclaimer, I don't tell you this is a guaranteed way to do something, you know, because I don't know if you have the same skill set that I do regarding sales. But, you know, is, as in anything, repetition, you know, you're going to learn. You might, get a, you might get a no. If you do everything I tell you to do, you might get a no to the first five people. But the sixth one might be absolutely this makes sense. You know, and going back to what you'd said, I'd say it in the seminar. Don't give up. You know, listen to what I have to say. Think about it and how it can apply to you. And as I said, I'm not, there's no secret sauce here. The secret sauce, if you want to call one, is just common sense. Yeah. Think of this as, as a business owner. Put yourself in the business owner's shoes and think about how he sees you when you walk in basically with your hands stuck out, you know, and that's what so many racers have done. And I talk about this in the seminar. Then they leave there feeling defeated because again, you just asked them to support your hobby. You didn't show them. You never told them that you want to sell their product. I you just something for you. Those are such valuable words right there. And a, a, just a so much better way to think about what it is, that your goal should be here. Um, I, I think this is uh, this has been really good and, and some great insight. And, and I just feel like this is so important to, to help our racers uh, realize that there is a way to negate some of these crazy costs in, in racing. You just got to put your foot out there and, and start looking for it. And uh, what a great way to start. Make sure, uh, you know, again, 
uh, the sponsorshipseminar.com. That'll take you to the website. You can see all the information uh, that is listed, and um, it's really easy. I'm on the website right now. You just click the red bar, and you can get right into it and uh, get the team together. Make it a make it a fun thing, and uh, see what you can do with it. Yeah, it's very simple. Very simple. I just say, like I said it a while ago, don't shoot the messenger. I, I didn't. I never set out to develop a career in radio or TV or right. public speaking. You know, <laughs> I just acquired this knowledge through you know hard knocks and many many years. Well, remember, guys, this is this is racer to racer here. Um, this isn't just a, a salesman knocking on the door. Um, this is this is industry information coming your way. So, um, Jr., I, I really thank you for uh, reaching out to me and, and setting all this up. And I, I really hope that uh, we can get some of our guys over here to check it out. And I, I just I really appreciate the the great conversation and uh, highlighting something that's uh, very important and. Uh, maybe sometimes forgotten about in, in our industry here. Ryan, thank you very much. I, I called you just out of the blue. Somebody told me about your podcast and, um, you know, I just, I just called you out of the blue and I'm, I'm very appreciative because this, you know, the, the official launch for this thing, we're, we're in the middle of it right now. I started handing out some flyers last, last Saturday night at a local racetrack. So literally we're, this thing is brand new and it's just being launched. So I'm very grateful for the time that you've given me. Absolutely. And I, I feel the, the same way that uh, the reach of our podcast would uh, w- would get to you and you would find us uh, valuable enough to uh, to spend sure. your time uh, t- telling us about it and, uh, and having this great conversation. So um, we thank you. And if you ever want to come back on, um, you are always more than welcome. Thank you so much. All righty. Well, um, again, appreciate JR coming on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, make sure you go to the sponsorshipseminar.com and check it out. And, um, you know, if you feel like it's going to be worth it to you, go ahead and, and watch the seminar and, and uh, get that value on the other side of things when you start signing those sponsors. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments here to thank some of our great sponsors here at the Racing with Ryan podcast, including our good friends over at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're know you looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, 
Check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal, and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting. Um, they do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also thank 124 Welding and Fabrication. That's our good buddy, Ron D'Alessandro. Had a great run in the 602 class a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, We really appreciate him being on board, of course, uh, just like it says, welding and fabrication. That's what he specializes in. If you need anything welded up, get with Ron. If you uh, need something fabbed, get with Ron as well. He will help you out. You can also check out his Etsy store because he makes all kinds of great metalworking, uh, which make great decorations. We have the Racing with Ryan podcast logo and emblem here in the studio. Looking at it as we record right now, it makes a... You know, it'll complement any room, anything you're looking for. He can do custom stuff, but you can also check him out on Etsy. If you look, go to Etsy.com and search 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up. You can check out the great products he has available, or you can reach out, contact him for anything specific. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fab. Check them out on Etsy. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank, of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. And Doug Samian from Do All Lawn and Tree. Um, that's his company, but he just uh, he appreciates the show and appreciates what we do. So we appreciate him. So thank you to all of our great anchor sponsors and our supporters here with the Racing with Ryan podcast. Now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Race with Ryan podcast. We want to thank J.R. Longley for calling in and having a great interview with us to start the show. And uh, to go ahead and recap the Armadillo 100, I got together with the winner of the Armadillo 100, and we're going to recap it together. Uh, We're going to welcome to the Race with Ryan hotline, William Hyman. How's it going, William? How's it going, Ryan? Pretty good, man. Congratulations on the big win. Thank you, thank you. It was a good night. Yeah, it, it ended up being a good night for you. I mean, when, when the checkered flag flew, it was a pretty good night. I mean, second place in, in a race like that where anything can happen at any time. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but it, it seemed pretty clean from where I was in the tower, but some of the heavy hitters kind of fell out. So anything could have happened at any time. Yeah, definitely. It definitely was a, a cleaner one with a little bit less car count than we would have liked, but... Yeah, they're definitely uh, heavy hitters of the race. So, you know, obviously, Zach Curtis, he's always one not to count out. And Jim Herb, he's got a fast car, as always. And he, they were out front, and I was content of riding around right there about fourth place or so, just watching it go down. And, and Jim fell out, and Zach ended up falling out, him and the leader getting into it. And I was just going to sit there and keep on keeping on because you never know what might happen. You ain't got to have the fastest car in one of these races. You just got to be there at the end. Yeah, and that, that's what I kept saying in the tower. I mean, we again, we didn't have a whole lot of cars to start, and I kept seeing some cars pull in. I'm like, man, if it were me, if I'd get the car to go back out, I'd go back out. And on you know a night like this and with the way things went down in tech, I mean, who knows? Some of those guys that pulled off early, they might have gotten, you know, they might have been able to go back out and get in the top three, top five, something like that. 
It was it was a different kind of enduro. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was. Yeah, you, know, you know, like you said, it, the the tech guys, they, uh, the Zabellis, you know, they came on to do the teching for that race, and they were there last year and the year before, or the year before, I believe. And you know, they just they pulled no punches. There was no gray area. There was no favoritism. And if it didn't say it black and white, as the rules were, they were they were taking no prisoner. And, and that's what uh, that's what we need, honestly. Because it comes down to, you know, people, some people get the attitude like, oh, this, the track ain't going to DQ me because they need car count. And that, that could be true in some instance, but uh, not this weekend. They they showed her that uh, we're not going to just give it to whoever thinks they deserve it or says they shouldn't be DQ'd over something, you know, small. But they played the rule book exactly how it's written, and some people had to pay for it. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it as kind of black and white. You know, some guys got DQ'd for wrong tires, and some guys, I think they're just oversights. Um, I, you know, but last year, you know, E&H came on and upped the purse a little bit for, for the Armadillo, and that was last year. I had somebody arguing with me that people were DQ'd and this and that so that E&H could get their cars in the top three because they sponsored the event, and I had to put the kibosh on that real fast. Because, well, we appreciate E&H over at New Smart and everything you guys have done for us for years and years. You guys had nothing to do with this year's event except showing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. We didn't we didn't put up any money or any extra money or any gratuities for any anyone finishing any position. Yeah, we, we had nothing to be involved with this go-around. Probably just because it uh, slipped our minds or we might have done something. But, yeah, there definitely was none of that going on. I had people come up to me. You know, saying saying the same kind of things that you know they see favoritism over here. How can the second place car be legal and the top ten be legal? And yeah, you know, I, I was definitely hearing a bunch of it in the tech shed. Yeah, but it's, I, it's, it's it's to be expected when you run good. There's always going to be someone complaining that they didn't run as good. Yeah, and, and and I hate that. I hate when it comes down to tech like that. But you know, like you said, we had to make sure that it was done correctly, and we had independent help. It wasn't like New Smyrna Speedway was. DQing people to play their favorites like I had to explain to somebody and not to demean them but I'm like the people that were doing what they had to do this week they didn't know who you were compared to anybody else in the field so um, I, I literally think they took the rule book and they knew what they were doing and if you you know if you had the wrong tires if you didn't have a trunk lid on you were DQ'd if it wasn't per the rule book you were DQ'd and for a big race like this, I know a lot of people think, oh, it's just a crash and smash. Who cares? Bring a car out. No one's going to care. But, that, I mean, we're talking about a lot of money for, for a race like this. So I, I think they did their due diligence. Oh, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've seen, I've seen uh, Jared and Jim. They were out there taking notes, walking around, looking at people's cars, and they were taking notes. And that, to me, was probably the most intimidating thing of the night. Like, oh, man, look at that. They're going car to car, making notes. They're, they are not playing tonight, which is good. I mean, I've been on the bad side of it, and I've been DQ'd in Enduros before that paid $5,000 to win for a tire that was half an inch too short. I've lost the race. So, I've, I mean, I've been on both sides of it, and... It just so happened this weekend. I'm on the good side of it. Yeah, I mean, you end up the winner of. I don't. I don't know if it's the last one ever, but the last one for a while. Since the track is getting repaid, they're going to hold off on this kind of thing with the new asphalt and the investment that goes into that. Which, you know, I, I definitely understand. I I'm a fan of these types of races um, at tracks every now and then. Obviously, if the track does them every week, then you question what is the track's goal here. Um, I'll definitely miss having this type of event last year. Or, you know, next year or however long it takes. 
why do you think though this event has struggled to draw the cars? I mean, I, I was a little bit worried going into it that we wouldn't even have as many cars as we had. We had 20 start, and I feel like that's right around how many started last year. Um, I feel like we've tried to listen to the drivers and create a rule set that was more open, uh, more inviting, and it seems like it's kind of been stagnant. What do you think is the reason for that? Wow, there could be multiple, many, many answers for that question. That's, uh, uh, I don't know, it's it's hard to say. Uh, there's there's so many other things people can be doing with their time and money, and yeah. Maybe that maybe that's part of it. Maybe you know some people want to blame it on you know 2020 and they just haven't recovered from that. And but uh, I mean it, <laughs> it could be because people think they don't have a chance, and you know, and they complain of possibly that you know everyone's driving an accurate TL. There's a lot of accurates yeah. TLs that run the Duros all over the state, and it's uh, I mean it's I have a I have one or two, and you know Zach has a couple cars and. I mean, anyone can go buy these things online, Craigslist, Marketplace, and, you know, if they think it's the car doing the job, then they're more than welcome to go find one for themselves. But we've had tra tracks change the rules and say that we couldn't run certain cars, and then we come back with cars that do fit the rules, and you almost get the same results from the same drivers. The drivers that put the more work in, trying to be right and as best as they can be, typically always will find their way up to the front. Yeah, I mean... Like, but like you and and Jim and Zach, whatever the rule set of men, you guys have always been right up there in the thick of things. So I think it's you know, if people want to complain about cars. I think you know we got to look at the the good drivers are going to find their way to the front in these things, whether it's being patient in a field of sixty or just being good at driving the track because you guys have x amount of laps around new smyrna you can almost drive the place with your eyes closed um you know it, it it was a loaded question for sure and i think you know there's there's a lot of reasons to why these types of events are it's it's a struggle to draw i mean new smyrna is a big fast track enduros are used to being done on the bull ring so maybe that factors in a little bit um you know citrus was racing auburndale was racing so like you said there's other things to do these types of cars to come and get them for these types of events it's not like $500 cars anymore. You got to put a little bit of investment into the cars now with the way the market is. So I think you're right about there being a lot of factors. I mean, all in all, I wasn't disappointed with the race. I mean, it was clean. It, it was like a, almost like a hundred lap bomber race is what it kind of turned out to be with no yellows. Yeah. Um, but it had its, its moments. You had some guys out there that got a little crazy at the end and put on a show. So um, I heard nothing but good from the fans afterwards. I was a little scared to to walk down the grandstands afterwards and think there might be people mad because we didn't get enough crashes, but people seem to enjoy the night. Yeah, I mean there was still there was still just as many people in the bleachers as there were the last last go around. So I mean it's still an event that people like to come and see. I mean yeah. people love watching a car wreck. You can see that on I four every time there is one, traffic's backed up so everyone can look. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people love wrecks. I, I hate it for you guys because I, I know you all and, and I know how much work you guys put into the cars, but man, the fans, they love it. I mean, that 01 car that was causing havoc out there, the fans loved it because that's what they came to see. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy put on a, <laughs> he was putting on a show, but he definitely was getting on some of us with nerves. Yeah. He was like a hoot owl. He, was, he would turn his head all the way back around and look at you while you're coming at him. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing you go by him on the front straightaway at one point, and I was like, oh, he went way high around that guy. You don't want to take a yeah. chance. 
Oh, I can go behind them swerving like like an alligator or like an you know you're supposed to run zigzag patterns or something so it don't get you. That's that's why I feel like we had to come for his the for the attack on him to keep him getting licked. I mean, you, you didn't but, have uh, many roadblocks like from dead cars on the racetrack. That guy was like a rolling roadblock, and you'd catch him every two laps and have to weave around him. I I don't I mean again from my perspective and the fans' perspective, very entertaining to watch, but I can understand how. Uh, that'd be a little annoying and nerve-wracking when you saw that car coming up. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't get luckily. I I didn't get hit by him, but I seen him take out the leader. Oh, he, a couple he times. The weight on him. Yes, he did. I feel like he was scoreboard watching, and he was looking for that bright yellow and red car, and he just was, you know, last ten laps. He was like, "Oh, this guy ain't gonna make it." He tried. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, then, then the leader came back and got him right there at the end of the race and spun him around. So coming to the checkers, I mean, it made made for an exciting finish. I mean, I, I know the 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 car count wasn't that big. I mean, I'm glad we had 20, you know. Uh, but the, I, I feel like the the folks that were in the race put on an entertaining race. And I know the 43 was was deemed to be illegal, but he and Zach had a, a good race going for a while. You were up there in the mix for a while, so it was it was still very entertaining. Oh, for sure. I was watching from about a hundred yards back, watching uh, Zach and him battle it out, and he he would uh, I believe Zach had the upper hand because that guy kept having to keep shifting. He didn't have the right gear ratio for for that big racetrack, so he kept having to go from third gear to fourth gear, then downshift, and Zach stayed in the same gear and high, wide, and handsome as they would say, and he just letting her eat and was giving that guy all kinds of fit. That guy actually slid up and whacked into Zach and uh. Actually, eventually took him out of the race because I guess it broke a CV. The guy hit him, broke a CV axle, and that's what uh, made Zach had to pull in off the racetrack. Yeah, the last couple um, last couple times I've seen Zach race these types of events, he hasn't had much luck because he's normally he's the guy that I feel like everybody comes to the track, whether it be him or you or you know some of your other guys there. Um, you guys are always the ones to beat, and uh, it was sad to see him pull in because you know he's so good at this kind of thing. What is it about this style of racing that you and um, and Zach and guys like that? What what makes you guys so good at this kind of stuff? You know, that's that's a good question. I, I'm I'm really not sure, honestly. <laughs> I don't know if it's because uh, I've basically been raised in a in a scrapyard, and we've always had junk cars that run and drove. And you know, we you know five, six, seven years ago, and car prices were real good and you know we were buying junk cars all the time we'd get we'd save up up to probably 20 of them and we put all the employees at the yard out back in our field and we just what we call field bombing and we'd be out there just banging into each other sliding around the grass and the slop and the mud and i think it's just probably i'm just used to cars that don't handle that good because i'm not you know i don't race my super stock as often as i'd like so i'm used to running this stuff that is not made to turn good ain't really made to be a race car and i'm just we're just used to how they react, how they handle. And uh, Zach's the same way. Zach's really never had a big, bad race car or whatever you'd want to say it is. He's he's had a couple sporadic, you know, pro truck here, super stock there. But mainly, just like me, he's always raced this, you know, poor man stuff, as you would, could call it. So it's kind of like... that's what gives us a bit of an advantage on most. It's kind of like you guys... guys will show up with the exact same cars, exact same tires, and... The first person that popped into my head is someone like like uh, Daniel Webster and Michael Hine. They, we we all showed up to Citrus, and those are infamous late model drivers running the exact same cars that we are. And uh, we'll walk right on by them and put them a few laps down. 
That's crazy. It sounds like you guys, because you're so used to driving this kind of thing, because that's, A, the way you were brought up, and that's what was available to you, you guys are able to make the most of the opportunity and just kind of take advantage of the experience factor. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if we jumped in a couple of super late models, but uh, Webster and High and those guys like that, they'd, they'd make us look bad, I'm sure, until we got the hang of it, at least. <laughs> I was going to say, until you got the hang of it. I mean, I look, I've seen you drive. I, mean, I know I haven't been around as, as long as you've been racing, but... I've seen you drive plenty of things, and I'm pretty sure you could win in whatever you had the chance to race as long as you, you know, had enough time to get comfortable in it. I mean, jumping from a bomber, a super stock into a late model, you're not just going to get in there and, and beat Brad May or David Rogers or Michael Hine, Daniel Webster, those kind of guys. But I, I'm telling you, if somebody came to you and said, drive my late model, take a season to get used to it, I feel like you'd fit right in and, and you'd be a contender. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Most, I mean, most likely. I had, uh, you know, the great Donnie Lewis come up to me years back and asked me to wheel his modified at Speed World for a few races. And my first night into that thing was a 50 lapper and qualified like fifth, sixth that night. And we ended up making it to the front and led, led until about three to go. And I made a mistake on a restart and spun the wheels and costed us to win that night. But. It's definitely all getting the hang of it. If, if everyone drove Enduros every weekend, they'd probably get the hang of that and be just as good as everyone else, I, I would assume. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing I like about the Enduros. It's such an interesting mix of people out there. You have inexperienced people that are like, wow, I, I got a car. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to go do it. And then you have people like you and Zach and, and Jim and, and those guys have been doing this kind of stuff forever. Um, and, and you just never know. I mean, the fastest car in the field might lap the field by lap 50, but by lap 75, he's out of the race. Then it all comes back together and somebody random could win it. We've, we've seen that. We've seen Zach win. We've seen you win. I mean, that, that's what I like about these kind of events. It's never over till it's over. And in the case of Saturday, it's never over until Tech says it's over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It definitely was a, I did not expect to win. That's for sure. I just came back from a wedding, got there and, I put my car in the trailer to bring there just in case I was able to make it. The wedding got out early enough for me to make it, showed up, had had my boys here get it unloaded, and I pretty much just showed up. And I did not, especially starting last or being there so late, getting there late, I did not expect it to go my way, but things just kept coming to me throughout the race. So it's definitely a blessing. I don't take nothing for granted. Um, the wins are hard to come by. And the good news is we didn't let anybody else practice either, so everybody was on equal playing field. What do, what do you think of those uh, land rush starts off pit road, taking that hard left off the, off onto four? I love that stuff. The weirder we can make it, the happier I'll be. I, the dead stop start backwards on pit road. We can start off in the infield through the grass. I, I wouldn't care. They, they should have made everybody start from their trailer and just bum rush on the pit road. <laughs> we could park them all on the front straightaway and have like an old Indy 500 start where everyone runs to their car and get in and then take off. I suggested to put everybody up in the back pit area since there's nothing up there and let them all funnel to the exit of turn four and come down the ramp. But uh, insurance won't even let us do the five-lap spectator race anymore. So, you know, that got the kibosh real quick. That would be funny. That would be something. Uh, we almost flipped a ground pounder coming out of the chute one night, so I, I could just see somebody missing the missing the chute and riding up the wall. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a Charlotte County Speedway, you know, uh, 417 an hour. Yeah. Was, they, they had an annual, what they would call their Paul Revere Enduro, where they would get everyone on the racetrack and everyone had a flashlight, and then they would turn the lights off. 
Ooh. and then drop the green. And all you had was a flashlight to see where you were going or let people know you were where you were and turn the lights off and have an enduro. That's crazy. I mean, I... I, I love this kind of stuff. I, I I grew up watching all the the crash aramas and, um, you know I, I've seen stuff up north and, um, it, it's fun to be a part of. Like I, I I've announced the the crash arama events at at Speed World and and now these and a couple events over at Citrus with Austin back in the day. Um, I, I find this stuff to be fun. I, I like that we were able to do it once or twice a year. Like like I said, I'm I'm gonna miss it for the next couple of years. Um, in my opinion, if it does come back, I, I think maybe a couple of years off to, to regroup and kind of build it back up might be a good thing. Cause we didn't do Enduros for a while, brought them back. They kind of took off to begin with and then they've tapered off. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, these kind of events every now and then are a lot of fun. Right. Right. I, I do like the, the idea of it being an annual event instead of, uh, like citrus, so to speak, where they have four of them a year, I feel like it kind of loses its luster. Yeah. Uh, like I, I remember back when Crash Rama was just, you know, two times a year at Speed World, and that was the only place they were doing it. Now we're doing it at Auburndale and Freedom Factory, and it's, it's basically almost like a Crash Rama once a month somewhere. Yeah, which is I feel like it kind of loses its luster after so many shows. It's it's great for for the fans and uh, you know, it's cool that they have a tour. It it'd be cool if like it was once or twice per state and they kind of went more around and spread it out a little bit cuz yeah. I mean, you know this more than I do given your your background and where you work. These cars to to go crash are getting harder and harder to find and more and more expensive. Oh, absolutely. These uh, you know, we used to get cars for couple hundred dollars they were good enough to win a race and uh programs like cash for clunkers that were given five thousand dollars or whatever it was for junk cars that done drove the market up so much that it's hard to find this stuff you actually got to go to car lots or auto auctions or you know pay more on craigslist or marketplace or whatever to get something that's worth putting your effort into yeah, I remember um, shopping around Facebook Marketplace with my buddy Steven when he got his hands on the Buick that we we raced a couple of times when he was in town. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Um, we, we were thinking, man, we're going to go find a $500 car. We're going to get him on track. He's going to live the dream real quick. And it it was hard to find something. I mean, we spent 800 on the Buick, which uh, we thought was a, a steal, and it was right down the road, so we were able to drive it right back to the house. And um, we, we got lucky, and then we had some friends help us get it up there. Um but everything else was in the thousands, so I can't imagine. That was, what, two years ago, so I can't imagine now. I know you guys have some cars that you've kind of set aside that you use for this purpose, but those those people that are sitting in the grandstands thinking, oh, I can go run the Enduro, when they start looking at the price of the cars, they probably get a little discouraged, and that's probably why you don't get as many of the randoms anymore as maybe you used to. Right, it definitely hurts the car count. of definitely hurts the car count of cars and people that can show up. And you know, rules the rules the rules we have now makes it so that you can use any car from any of the Enduros Enduros across the state. Pretty yeah. much all the rules are the same, so you really don't have to change anything now. But you know, we we tried the V eight Enduros a couple times, the big car only there in Smyrna and we did American made only a few times and what do you think is the best setup? I, I like it's been the best show. Honestly, I, I like Run what you brung, you know. Um, if, if you find a good truck, bring the truck. If you've got a minivan, bring the minivan. I, I kind of like 
seeing what people get their hands on and, and seeing what can compete. And the way I look at an enduro, if you think somebody's got a way faster car than you, find a way for them not to win. I'm not saying wreck them. I'm not saying hurt them. <laughs> but I'm saying find a way. Rub them. Knock a tire down. You know, if you think oh, yeah. if you think Zach Curtis has too damn good a car, then find a way for him not to win. That's what the enduro, you know, is all about. Get your buddy out there and block him. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, the American-made thing, like, I get the idea. I love the idea behind it because it's like, oh, they might be able to convert it into a Bomber A or a Bomber B, and then, you know, that adds to the, the program going forward. And, right, that was the attempt. And then we had 2020 that screwed that all up. Right, yeah. Then, you know, the, the world changed, and yet you pick up the pieces. And, you know, I, I kind of pushed for the more open rules because I'd rather somebody just be have a car and be able to show up. If they choose not to show up, that's on them. But at least it wasn't like, well, I couldn't come. I have a car. I'm not doing anything this weekend, but I can't come because it's foreign. Um, and like I just said, if somebody's car is too fast or whatever you think, find a way for them not to win. That's that's how I chalk it all up to. And not to take away from anything that you've accomplished or Zach Curtis or anybody like that has accomplished in this style of racing, but the fans that are in the stands, 95% of them at the end of the night don't care who actually won, and they can't tell you who actually won. They just want to see the action. 100%. 100%. I mean, I'd hate to admit it now, but I used to be that guy. Yeah. We, used to, we used to travel the Southeast, Carolinas, Georgia. We've even been to New York for some Enduros, and we would bring a fleet of Camaros. 1970 to 81 Camaros. Is, Beautiful. Hell, we probably had 15 of them in the backyard. <laughs> We're just waiting to be race cars. And then we would bring a Crown Victoria for me to drive. And if it looked like one of our guys wasn't going to win this race, I would wreak havoc throughout the race. I'd hate to admit it now. It was 15-plus years ago. But I would go out there, and if you were not – if we, one of our cars wasn't getting the job done, I would smash up. See, John so- Sapriconi in his own backyard at DeSoto Speedway was leading the Enduro once before, and I wasn't happy about it because I knew he was getting away with some stuff illegally because hmm. they run the racetrack and I jumped the Trans Am he was driving. <laughs> See, so you just you you just proved exactly what I just said. If you don't like somebody who's winning all the time, find a way for them not to win. In whatever yeah, way yeah. you find. Say, no, we got to win that night, but they remembered me when we came back there and they made sure I didn't finish the race. Right. Yeah. See, there you go. It all comes back around. If you got to be careful yeah. who you mess with now. See, there's. I'm not just saying go junk somebody. Just be careful, you know. Go do what you got to do, but be careful because you never know what might come back around. I've, I, I saw that that wreck at, at Citrus a couple of years ago when a couple of people were mad at each other and they took it out on lap 20 of a hundred lap enduro. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, you know, me and me and Zach Curtis, we we're we're buddies. But when it comes to the racetrack, I want to beat him just as much as he wants to beat me. Yeah. And uh, there, there's been quite a few times I feel bad for him because there's guys over at Inverness that will, are, uh, just like that 01 was this weekend, they turn around looking at him and waiting on him. Just randoms that, you know, you wouldn't even expect. A couple races ago for that $10,000 race last year, actually, some guy just came out of nowhere and clobbered Zach and just took him out on, like, lap three. Yep. See, because you, uh, you guys, these people, they know your names because you win them all. So you guys become the the hunted, if you will, and you're almost uh, running away from these guys. And uh, but to me, that just adds to the entertainment factor. The, to you all, the frustration factor, but to us, the audience, it's very entertaining to watch. Oh yeah, it's definitely survival. It's it's part of being fast. Save your car. Try not to run anything, and then watch everyone else around you. It's there's 
the thoughts going through your head while wow, trying to be faster in these enduros, especially over you know Inverness, where their big race would start 90, 90 something cars. It's just there's so much going on. It's it's hard to keep it all together, but. See, down here in Florida, we're used to that. If we drive on the highway, we're, like, naturally prepared for having cars all around us at all times. So I feel like right. that makes that makes us naturally better at this type of thing. That's why our guys are, are so good at it, you know, the top dogs yeah, in the that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's, that's got to be. I mean... Uh, enduro, enduro down here is, like, I-4 on Friday at about 4.45. That's it. That's what I told the crowd. I'm like, it's about to be either exactly what you came through on I-4 or 95 to get here, depending on how you got here. <laughs> and it, it was for like two laps and everybody spread out, but you know, uh, man, I, I'll tell you, uh, very entertained by the event, regardless of, of the car count, what, you know, it, it was still a very fun event. And I made sure that I, I stepped it up and got to have a lot more fun this week just to be goofy and call people out and make jokes. Cause I'm like, I'm going to make sure these people that are here to watch this event get their money's worth. And it seemed like they were into it. What did you think of the overall atmosphere in the event as a whole? I mean, I got there late, but as soon as I rolled in, the first thing I looked for was how many spectators we had on the on the spectator side. And as soon as I rolled in, I was like, well, that's not too bad. That's that's pretty decent for this show for, you know, quote, unquote, there not being any real race cars here today. Yeah. I, but, I mean, uh, we had a line of people trying to get in at 7.30. I know it wasn't a sellout, you know. This this show is not billed as a Night of Carnage or a, you know, Crash-O-Rama, Knights of Destruction. It is its own thing, so it doesn't have that same, you know, draw everybody in sort of thing. But I feel like the crowd was solid, especially for our, our standards here. And they were into it, and I feel like they had a good time. So to me, that was the most important thing. For sure. They're on their feet, they're, they're clapping once it's over, and they don't know who they're clapping for, but they're clapping because it was a good show for them that's... That's what matters at the end of the night, putting on a good show for the spectators. The track don't care who wins. They know they're going to pay somebody, and all that matters at the end of the night is the spectators are happy. That's it. And, uh, you know, they're happy, they're entertained, and um, we, we also hope that, that the racers had a good time. I know that the disqualifications are going to leave a bad taste in some people's mouth. Um, I, I know oh, yeah. a couple of people that were upset about it, but... Um, you, you were down there in, in the trenches. Do you know some of the reasons for the DQs? Uh, I know the leader, the the winner of the race, the 43, I'm not sure his name was. I know he's from out of town, but he had multiple infractions on him. I I believe they had a small little list going for him, but they just decided that they were just going to pick one thing off the list, I think. And it was his exhaust and that's what they decuned him for. He had some bigger pipe than he should have had when the rules say it's supposed to be the stock diameter, uh, I know it was a couple other cars just had the factory tire size and there was guys that had mismatched sizes all the way around and yeah. trying to create stagger and help their cars turn. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what was going on through, through everybody, but I know uh, like crazy Cuban didn't have a trunk lid on his car. Yeah. So, and the rules say it's gotta be, it don't necessarily say the body must be completely intact, but if it came stock with a trunk lid, it's supposed to have a trunk lid on it. So they were very, what, basically what we're getting at is they were very particular. If it did not fit the rules, it did not make it through tech. What, what they get down to about 11th place to, to pay out the top three? Yeah, 10th place car was the Jeez. Uh, second, third, second, third, 10th and 11th. That's, that, that's crazy. And I felt bad for a lot of those guys. I know Charles Friddle was about exhausted after the race. So when he got DQ'd, I just, I felt bad for them. Um, and then I felt bad for Jay Bird. I was like, man, you even qualified J- or DQ Jay Bird, and they're like, yeah, we had to. So, I mean, 
Tech did what they had to do, and they the, the track brought in outside help. So this wasn't just the track tech guys, quote-unquote, screwing people over. It was, you know, the, the people that came in, they knew the rules, and they tossed you if it wasn't right. If, if your crap wasn't right, they would have tossed you too. Well, there was there was something that was questionable in my car, and they had to keep doing some research. Uh, you know, they had they not to down any knowledge. Don't be, no one can know everything about every make and model all the time. So they were looking stuff up and making sure everything was as it should be. And there was there's a couple questions here and there, but we found that everything to be good to go to pass tech, which is is uh, nitpicky as they were being. I was worried they were going to find something, but. We, uh, I was surprised that, you know, I was the only one in the top 10 that made it through the tech shed. That's, that's so crazy to me, but again, uh, congratulations and I can't thank you enough for coming. I know you had a busy day before you even got to the racetrack. It would have been easy for you to say, well, I'm not going to make this one, but, uh, we're glad you did. And I'm sure you're glad you did as well since you came home the winner. Absolutely. Well, what are your plans uh, the rest of the season? I know things are starting to wind down We're in the last couple of months, but I'm sure there's, there's plenty of more enduro type events, uh, to, to come what, what are you planning to do the rest of the year um next saturday i'm gonna be right back in new smyrna i'm gonna bring my bomber car up there my monte carlo bomber bring that up there nice uh and uh i think i'll have a uh, about four weeks off and then i'm gonna take my uh my pure stock my super stock over to citrus for their 75 lapper and their halloween event they have over there nice so you're, you'll be and, getting uh, around after that a couple more enduros and that'll be the end of the year awesome man well uh, again congratulations on the big win it's always fun having you down there you always you always add some life to the field whether it's in a super stock pure stock bomber doesn't matter if william hyman's in the field everybody knows who you are you know if they're in tune with local racing r- racing and it's it's great to have you so again um I, I thank you for for coming congratulations on the win and thanks for being on the show too man there's been a fun little recap conversation here absolutely ryan thanks for having me yes sir and good luck this weekend Alright, thank you. Thank you. Alright, again, we want to thank William Hyman for taking some time to give us a call and talk about the Armadillo. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up this segment real quick. We'll give you the top three on the results with, uh, with the results that we have here to kind of tie the bow on the event. Again, like we talked about, it, it was a fun event. Um, I know William's perspective is um, very positive because, you know, he won the thing. He was in the car. Uh, it was fun to have his uh, take on it and a little bit of, uh, you know, some some other talk there about his experiences back in the day. Um, really, uh, really great to have him on the show and to kind of tie that all together. But uh, again, William Hyman did win the Armadillo 100, scheduled to be the the final one. I don't know if it'll ever come back or not. Maybe it will as the the pavement ages once the repave happens. Um, I, I hope events like this do come back. I, I'd love to see it once a year. You know, I, I know it might be a couple of years now, but I'd love to see these when they're able to come back at least once a year, whether it be a 10-car thing, a 20-car thing, or a 120-car thing, whatever the whatever might happen. It's fun to have a little change of pace. And, uh, you know, um, last couple Enduros, I, I was a little discouraged because I'm like, man, the cars aren't here. There should be – I go to these other tracks where there's 50, 60 cars. I'm like, we should have that too. And, and again, like William said, he, he kind of was – like there's multiple reasons why or how or whatever the cars might not be here. Um, but this event, I'm like, man, I don't know that we're going to have the most cars in the world, but I'm just going to try to go have fun. And that's where my mindset was. And I did. I, if you go back and watch Speedway video, I mean, 
I was cracking jokes, picking on people. And I hope that everybody knows, and maybe they don't, maybe they hate me, I don't care. Um, but if you go back and watch that video, any of the jokes or anything like that, that's just me entertaining the crowd. That has nothing, like the people changing the tire to, to put a trailer tire on to go to the trailer to pull in the pits when I called them out. I'm like, you did all that to go to the pits? Well, they had to. I, I knew that, but I wanted the crowd to have have a little extra oomph in that moment, if you will. But anyhow, uh, Armadillo 100 Enduro goes to William Hyman. Tyler Helms, I think he came home 10th uh, in the race. He finished second. That car went in and out of the pits multiple times, so he gets a second-place finish for all his trouble. Jim Urban, the Cadillac, comes home in third. Powder Puff race, which was pretty interesting. Um I know there were some concerns about the pro truck, uh, pro truck, super stock, what have you. We've seen a super stock out there before and it crashed. So, um, I know some people are, are calling favoritism because it was the LeBeau's truck out there. I, I want everybody to know there was another truck and, um, some people know who it was and some people, well, I'm not going to call them out because it was a, a PM. Uh, there was another truck that inquired about coming for his daughter and asked me if they could bring a truck. And I said, uh, well, your daughter's eligible to compete, but let me find out about the truck. So I got on the horn and sent the proper text messages and got the response, yes, it's allowed. So not even regarding the LeBeaux, pro trucks were allowed. And guess what? It might not have specifically said pro truck in the rule book, but management has final say. And Jordan Smith got the victory over Charlie Smalley and Melissa Maresca. And as far as I'm concerned, if that gives Jordan Smith the confidence to run a real race in the future, I, I get that she might not be in the next pro truck race, but if that gives her the confidence to, even if they go backwards and start her out in a bomber B or a bomber A, or let her practice, rent the track and practice, if that gets her in the right direction to become a racer, then the powder puff race was successful. And if, you know what? If that is her racing career wrapped up in one 15 lap race, it made her night and that's, again, what it's all about. So congratulations to Jordan. And, and Charlie and Melissa did a great job themselves. That powder puff race was great. The ladies, you know, there's eight or nine of them and all kinds of different cars. Everybody did great. No spins, no crashes, no nothing. It was great in, in a fun way to start the program. Uh, we also had the Demolition Derby, which was won by Daniel Valencia in the 69 over Raymond Rogers and Eddie Summit. I believe the initial winner was disqualified and, and again, Tech did what they had to do. William did a good job just kind of summing it all up. Look, he was down there, and I'm so glad that that he was able to kind of talk about it. Now, he's not the Tech guy, so he didn't know the ins and outs of everything that went on, but he was in that realm of it. So his perspective, I, I think, will help kind of clear up some of the he said, she said about what went down. And, and again, I'm not Tech, and it's not my – look, if they DQ the whole damn field – what I have to say changes nothing. So um, I'm not a big fan of all the DQs. I like to see the stuff handled on the racetrack, but I'm also a big fan of people taking on a responsibility and doing their job and making sure that, again, to, to hell with it. If everybody's pissed off and doesn't want to come back for another Enduro, guess what? There ain't going to be no more Enduros for a while. So y'all can be mad and, you know, we'll, we'll see you at the next Bomber Race. Or I'll, I'll see you at Citrus. I'll see you at Auburndale for the, for the next event like this because it ain't gonna prevent me from coming to support you i can tell you that and guess what we can have a conversation and not agree on things and still be cool so and i appreciate everybody's uh view on all this stuff too so just because uh, I, I might chime in with a couple of facts doesn't mean that i'm you know arguing with you or whatever whatever 
anyway, we also have the spectator races. Um, I, for whatever reason, they've changed so much with my race pass. I couldn't figure out how to get the, the results for that on there. Um, the guy in the green Camaro won. I can't remember his name at this point. Um, the spectator races were fine. I do miss the five laps. Definitely has taken a little wind out of the sails, but Hey, $500 to win is still a good payday and big gravy with perhaps the save of the year. Um, <laughs> you know, I think my, my comment was, Hey, where are you going? Um, look, he's just glad to be going home. He did a, an amazing job. The, the spectator match races were very fun and very competitive. There was two or three photo finishes, uh, that were a lot of fun to be up on the flag stand for. So that was a lot of fun. Um, we had the kids power wheel races. Those were fun. <laughs> I love seeing Zach Curtis kind of leading the parade, guiding the kids. It's cool to see those, uh, those people down there mixing it up with the kids. It's fun. It was fun. And then of course we had Frank, the tank button out there for the burnout contest, along with Anthony Barranco, um, who burned down the Mustang, but then Frank who look, Anthony wasn't planning to do the burnout. And he said, can I do it? And it's like, sure you can do it. And he goes, well, I'm going to go do my best. So he went out there and put on a show for the fans, burning down his Mustang. And then Frank went out there with a car basically that he spent time with to get it in the perfect condition to do burnouts and put brand new tires on there just to entertain the crowd and to have a lot of fun. And I could tell Frank was having fun because he did not want that to stop. He was whipping that car around, going crazy, um, smoke screen. Like I couldn't even see the, the fans for half of his smoke screen. So it was hella entertaining. Um, I like burnout stuff for this type of event as a, you know, just a fun bit of entertainment for the crowd, but burnouts don't impress me too much, but that was, that was fun to watch. So kudos to Frank, um, again, just out there to put on a show and the fans loved it. The ones that stuck around to watch, uh, the burnout in the demolition derby, they got their money's worth, man. I'm, I'm overall, look, this wasn't, you know, a million cars in the pits. This wasn't, you know, roadblock city with the enduro it wasn't a crash fest overall the event was good it's like i was kind of talking to william um i heard nothing but positive things afterwards and i feel like no matter how one person who's seen events like this 10 times you know bigger and better may perceive it if the fans had a good time then that's all that matters and if the driver's you know, enjoyed their race, maybe not after the race, but the drivers enjoyed being on track, then that's all that matters. So I remember right before I left, I had to run to the bathroom before I take my 45, 50 minute trip home. And uh, somebody walks into the bathroom and they're using the urinal and they don't know, they didn't know who I was, but they're, man, that was so much fun. And I was like, well, hey, glad you had a good time. And he's like, I've never seen anything like this before. And I was kind of like, well, I wish we had a few more cars out there and some more chaos, but glad you had a good time. And he's like, that was more chaos than I've ever seen in my life. So again, it's all perspective. And the general perception was positive. And we're getting back to normal racing here this weekend at New Smyrna. Uh, so before we take a, our final commercial break, and we're going to jam a lot into the third segment. We get around the state. Uh, we'll talk a little NASCAR. I don't have much to say about the Bristol race. So we're going to mash all that stuff together. Stay tuned next week. Uh, we'll get everything with the bracket challenge ironed out because I think everybody's bracket is busted. So I'm going to figure something out to keep that going. Um, I've received at least $30 for the winner. Um, so stay tuned. Next week, I'm going to have all after um, Texas, I'm going to have it all figured out. I'm going to have to do some kind of point something because everybody's brackets just about busted at this point. So 
stay tuned for that. Um, coming up at News Morning this weekend, it's shaping up to be a pretty fun back to actual racing night. We have what is technically race five of the modified challenge six pack series. Uh, race four and five was combined into one race, if you remember back a couple of months ago. So this will act as race five of six. Got some good cars coming. Um, we have Shane Held. We have Matt Jarrett. We have Alan Bruns, Brian Gaten, Zach Harris, and we have Dalton Nelton so far confirmed. So that's a good handful. We know Jerry Simons is going to be there. We know, you know, unless some crazy circumstance happens, we know Wayne Parker is going to be there um, and, and, and a couple others. Go look at the points. You see the ones that have been running most of the time. Jason Lester should be there. Uh, he's trying to kind of win all these things. So it'll be a decent field for the modifieds. It'll be plenty for 75 laps. The Sportsman 50 is already shaping up to be phenomenal. We have, let's see, I'm going to try to remember these off the top of my head. We have um, Lucas Hinton in the 99. We have Tyler Schofield in the 07. Matthew Green in the 75. Don Keithley in the 44. I have Scott Garrity, who's registered. He's coming back. Um, Jeff Schofield's going to be out there in the 87. He registered. So um, let's see. Steve Barnes should be out there. I would imagine Danny Fry is running for points. He should be there. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a couple. Um, I've been making posters for sportsmen all day, so I'm trying to remember a couple of, of these other guys. But already the field is looking stout for that sportsman 50 lap. I think the sportsmen have a good chance to kind of steal the show and be the big highlight here. The Modifieds are badass. Lo- love those cars. Um, the six-pack series has definitely been the best idea for weekly modified racing at New Smyrna. Um, how the race goes, I don't know, but... The sports and race for sure is shaping up to be a really, really good one. So, plus we had the Bomber Bees. You know, Frank's going to be there. William Hyman said he's going to be there. Kenny's going to be there. The normal crop of the crazy Bomber Bee guys will be there. So, that'll be a great race. And the 602 Modifieds. Um, and if any of the 602s that I've been having conversations with, listen to this. I love your division. It is a great addition to any field. I just got to make sure that you remember what the agreement is before we get out on Facebook talking about what you want now. And if that's what you want, that's perfectly fair. But let's let's not just go out on Facebook and put ourselves out there and make it seem like the track isn't honoring their end of the deal. So I hope that you guys get a little bump here. I hope that the division continues to improve. It's been a lot of fun to watch. You guys are great, and it's going to be a lot of fun to have you on on Saturday. So if something gets arranged in the future to make your endeavor even greater, then I hope that comes to fruition for you. But know that commenting on my stuff, yeah, there, there's not much I can do. I, I Again, it's not my position, not my place. All I can do is support you on my end. So I hope you have a great race on Saturday, and I'm looking forward to having you. So um, four divisions, four very good, solid, crowd-pleasing divisions. It's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday, and I'm really looking forward to it. So with that said, let's take our final commercial break. We'll come back with a recap of what went down at Bristol with some shocking eliminations in the first round of the Cup playoffs. Um, I want to go back to Thunder Road and review their championship night because that was wild and crazy, and we'll look around the state. We have power rankings. Oh, and I got to check um, Racing with Ryan Fantasy. I have no idea how I did this weekend. Um, I'm still recovering from a very, very sad Monday night football game with the Browns. I don't know if I'll ever recover from Nick Chubb going down like that. So 
Anywho, stay tuned. Third segment, Jam Pack, coming up. We're going to take a quick moment here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank our good buddy, Mr. Andy Morrison with Never Give Up. Andy's always at the New Smyrna Speedway supporting our racers and even supporting the little ones over at the little New Smyrna Speedway for the quarter midget racing. You can typically find Andy Friday and Saturday at the New Smyrna Speedway. He has some great items for sale, and sometimes he gives those items away. He's got all kinds of great things for his um, for his company, Never Give Up. He's got plaques, he's got hats, he's got stickers. I know a lot of the bomber guys run the Never Give Up sticker on their car. And, and really, I think everybody could could use that message these days. Never give up, keep doing you, and keep supporting what you love, just like Andy does. And we appreciate his support here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also thank Hank Baker for coming on board as a supporter here with the show. Um, he'll be on for the next uh, next handful of episodes, and we really appreciate him. Really great guy. Uh, we miss him in the pit area this year, but uh, if you see Hank, talk with him. He's, he's got some uh, some great racing knowledge, and it's always a pleasure to be around. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. 
We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the new Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 EMOD slash AMOD, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Auburndale and the big track over at the new Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. We appreciate everybody's support. And again, if you'd like to come on board as an anchor sponsor, um, you can do that. If you'd like to just be a supporter, like our friends Hank and, and Ken, Doug, Fast Cracker Racing, Andy, you name it, uh, you can do that too. We charge just $5 an episode. The amount of episodes is up to you. You can do a year. You can do 10 episodes. You can do one. It all helps, and we appreciate it greatly. Thank you guys for your support, and we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the third and final segment. Again, I have a lot to get through on this one, so we're going to jump right on into it. Let's talk about the Bristol Night Race. I uh, used to be, excuse me, used to be one of the sport's biggest races. You couldn't get a ticket to it if you tried. Now it's a race that happens, and I'm telling you, this race, while it had a big moment, and it definitely played a big role in the championship this year, it just this isn't Bristol, man. It's not what everybody thinks of when it comes to Bristol. So the the crash and smashing just wasn't part of this event. We did see some pretty darn good racing in the Xfinity race on Saturday. The truck race was lackluster. Um, and the cup race just, it just happened. I mean, let's talk about the big moment. Again, I'm not going to sit here and talk about this one for a half an hour. Um, the big moment was when Corey LaJoy... Got sideways, coming off turn number four, bounced off another car, into the inside wall, came up the racetrack, and took out Joey Logano and a couple other guys. Justin Haley was involved. Um, there was three or four other cars caught up in it, but the, the big name there was Joey Logano, took him out, ended his night, and the defending champion is out of the playoffs and didn't transfer the round of the 12. For the first time in NASCAR playoff history, the defending champion is out early. So definitely... Hate that for Joey. And and again, that's that's Bristol. That's what we expect when we're talking about Bristol. Crazy things happening. But that was the only crazy thing to happen. There was a couple of bumps off the wall. I know Almendinger and Cindric got together. Truex got a little sideways. But this was a race for Joe Gibbs, really. I mean, Denny Hamlin led 142 laps to get the win. Um, Denny Hamlin's had the best car this entire round of the playoffs. Should have won all three races. Could have, should have, would have won all three races. But finally gets one. Um, like you said, he beat everyone, including your favorite driver. He beat them all. So uh, it was a good win for him. Held off Kyle Larson. My big problem with this race was the racing itself. It just wasn't – there wasn't much racing. Once you got strung out, that was it. I looked at the last pit stop running order to where they finished, and the the way they came off of pit road is the way they finished. Hamlin was off pit road first ahead of Larson, and that is the way they finished Larson. I'm sorry, Hamlin, Larson, Bell, Busher, Gibbs, top five off pit road in that final pit stop, and that decided the race. And there was like 100 laps to go or 80 laps to go, something like that. So I don't know. That's just not what I like in my short track racing. I know it's harder to pass on the short tracks, but I just didn't see a lot that, that made this race all that exciting to me. Um, I did score it as I normally do, so I'll go ahead and get to that so that we can get that part out of the way and it didn't score high the racing like i just said i wasn't a fan of it i gave it a three 
excitement, I give it a five. I mean, Bristol had its moment, um, and it still it's still cool to see these cars fly around the track, so I give it a five. The finish gets a two. Again, no passing at the end. The only thing I kept waiting for that had me still watching there was maybe there'll be a late race caution or we'll have some tire blowouts. None of that happened. Lead changes, it got 10. That scores a 5. Enjoyment overall is a 5. So the total for Bristol night race is a 4. One of the lowest rated races of the year. And overall, that puts us at a 6.52 for the season. So still hovering at that uh, just, you know, mid-D range if you want to bring it back to grade school. Uh, Denny Hamlin, your race winner again over Kyle Larson, who started 36th. And I just want to point out... um, on the hot mic show that I talk a lot, uh, talk a lot about that I do with the other announcers from Florida, we always pick for all the the top three series. So this week I picked um, Corey Heim, Justin Allgaier, and Kyle Larson. So I was one spot out of the sweep this week. So I picked pretty good. Uh, Christopher Bell was third. Chris Buescher fourth. Ty Gibbs fifth. Michael McDowell sixth. Seventh for Chase Elliott. Brad Keselowski was eighth. Ninth for Willie B. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a good run there, top 10 run, not enough to transfer. Uh, the drivers that have been eliminated from playoff competition are as follows here um, out. Michael McDowell, no surprise. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., no surprise. Those two ran great, had a, a good solid end to their playoff run, but the races before did them in. And then kind of the, the surprising ones, Kevin Harvick, Although that team has not been too good, he almost won Darlington. You look back at Darlington, that caution had to come out two seconds later and he was already on pit road. He wins the race perhaps and is transferred on. But instead, a couple of laps down, a poor finish at Bristol leaves him on the outside looking in. And then, of course, Joey Logano getting caught up in that crash, the defending champion out of the playoffs. So the round of 12 will consist of Bubba Wallace, who sneaks in, Ryan Blaney, uh, Ross Chastain, Brad Kozlowski, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Chris Buescher, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, William Byron, and even though his, his round of 16 was poor, Martin Truex back on top with all those playoff points. So uh, that's what we're looking at going into Texas. On the theme of NASCAR, here are my updated NASCAR power rankings after this Bristol race. Chase Elliott remains in 15th. Joey Logano, a big slide, down four spots to 14th after being eliminated. Kevin Harvick down two after being eliminated at 213th. Ross Chastain remains 12th. Bubba Wallace up two to 11th. Christopher Bell up four with an impressive run. Three poles in a row for Chris Bell in the playoffs, by the way. He's up into the top 10. Ryan Blaney is ninth. Kyle Busch is eighth. William Byron drops one spot to seventh. Tyler Reddick drops two spots to sixth. Martin Truex Jr. drops two spots to fifth. He was leading not too long ago. Brad Keselowski up one spot to fourth. Chris Buescher making a big leap here as he continues to have a solid year. He jumps four spots to third. Kyle Larson second. And Denny Hamlin remains in first after the win going into Texas. Um, Quick look at the Florida power rankings. I did update these, but not a lot of change. Uh, Still in first is Cody Stickler. Daniel Webster still second. Tim Sozio third. Brandon Morris up a spot to fourth. George Gorham slips a spot to fifth based on uh, where they chose to race this weekend and how those events played out. We'll go around the state here in a few. Brad May still sixth. Michael Goddard still seventh. TJ DeCare is eighth. Steve Gill ninth. Tenth for Sean Bass. Eleventh for Dylan LeBeau. And George Spears still rounding out the top 12. So that is our power rankings. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of clump everything together and get it over. Let's take a look at how 
The Racing with Ryan Fantasy League went down this week. I'll give you a couple of picks for Texas, and then we'll go around the state. Normally, these segments are more broken up, but with the great uh, call-in that we had earlier with about the sponsorship seminar, William Heinemann calling in. Um, this shows uh, it's all over the place. So we just want to make sure you all get the content one way or another. So we know this one's going to be long. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you. Um, so let's take a look at the league. I love it when things actually are working. Uh, scrolling down to Bristol. How did we do? Let's give you the top five from Bristol. Uh, Staffordshire Motorsports wins it with 236 points. Bob Ford in second. Eight ball racing third. Actually tied for third with Richie Petty. Pit Penguin rounding out the top five. I did poorly, as did Bomber 93 and SRQ Taxes, which is now Bubba Wallace 23XI. We all did poorly. I was ninth with 164. So let's take a look quickly at the overall podcast league standings here. John Gross still showing the way with 5,402 points. Man, I slipped down a seventh. Um, Bob's Ford still second. Uh, let's see. That is 96 points behind is Bob Ford. So John Gross doing a great job in bomber number 93. Staffordshire Motorsports is third, fourth for Bubba Wallace, 23XI. That's uh, Stephen SRQ Taxes there. Big Tempo Motorsports, that's Timmy. He's in fifth. Richie Petty Jr., sixth. I'm seventh. Eighth is Pitt Penguin. Eight ball racing ninth. Running out the top ten there is King Penguin. Thinking about Texas, we're going to Texas for NASCAR this weekend, a, an abomination of a race last year. Tires, problems galore. I feel like NASCAR as a whole has gotten the tires situation rectified. You're always going to have flat tires. Things are going to happen, uh, but they're not quite as common in occurrence. So I don't know that Texas is going to be as big a S show as it was a week ago or a year ago. There's still going to be some stuff. Texas, it's not the best racetrack, but things get loopy over there. Uh, especially in the playoffs. Uh, they have cut the race from 500 miles to 400, which to me is a cop-out and a disgrace to those buying tickets to go to Texas. You're now getting less and paying the same price. I don't like it. I don't mind a long race, even at a crappy racetrack. But as far as Texas goes and the way things are going right now, I would bet on Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, and Tyler Reddick. Those would be my five drivers to bet on. A good wild card this weekend, thinking outside the box here. I like Ross Chastain. Um, as a wild card, I think you put him in your garage and think about switching him in if somebody else has trouble. That's my fantasy advice, and that will wrap up that part of it. So let's go over to Thunder Road. I want to start there. And I also want to remind you from earlier in the show, if you skipped through that great interview, make sure you check out the sponsorshipseminar.com. Um, sign up for the seminar and you get some sponsorship knowledge to help alleviate the costs of racing. Um, going over to Thunder Road, taking a look at their championship night uh, where they crowned all three of their track champions. And each one of them had some drama. I want to start with the RK Mile Street Stock Division. Uh, they brought 25 cars to the track for the final night of the year. And this division had the biggest point gap. James Dopp had a sizable, I believe it was like 24-point lead over Dean Switzer Jr. So it looked like, you know, James just needed to take the green, just have a fine, solid race, and he was going to win the championship. The first street stock championship for him in the heat race does not qualify well. I think he finished seventh out of eighth in, in his heat. Didn't make the, the cut for the handicap spots, so started deep in the pack. Lost a lot of points because Dean Switzer... Did have a good heat race. Might have won the heat race, if I remember correctly. Then they go to the feature. James Dobbs starts way in the back. I mean, he started sub-20 
16th spot, 18th spot, something like that. And he's nowhere to be seen. Dean Switzer's cutting through the field, leading the race with four to go. There was a stack up coming off turn number two, and the cameras had it framed up perfectly because you see the cars get together and spin, and James Dopp nails the gas and passes three, four, five cars that are wrecking in front of him. And that puts him in about 10th spot because Dean Switzer at this point is leading. And basically, for James to win the championship, they kept saying he had to finish 7th or better. He was ninth or 10th on the final restart with like two to go. And he made some crazy bonsai moves to get exactly to 7th and win the championship by one point over Dean Switzer who won the race. So that went from being, eh, who cares about this championship battle to one of the most exciting championship battles and, and crazy clutch driving at the end for James Dobb. Just phenomenal stuff. Great race. And and again, points battles creates racing throughout the field. So the battle for seventh was more exciting than the battle for second, battle for third. Dean Switzer winning was big and exciting because he almost won the championship. But Jim, Jimmy Dobb, James Dobb getting to seventh uh, on the final couple laps there in desperation made it all the better. And it was an awesome race. Dean Switzer with the win. Logan Farrell second. Todd Remo third. Fourth for Jamie Davis and Jason LeCare. Fifth, Jimmy Dopp, the champion of the street stocks. Uh, the Road Warriors, we'll, we'll comment on them real quick. They had two features of makeup from last Friday um, and then a regular show. Kaysen Murphy and Kevin Wheatley, the winners in those events. They don't run for points. They run for fun. Uh, so shout out to the winners there. Let's go to now the Lenny Shoon Apparel Flying Tigers, 20 cars in the pits, and my God, one of the craziest wrecks you'll ever see. Um, we had four guys in the championship hunt, Jason Pelkey, uh, Kyle Streeter, Brandon Gray, and Sam Karen. Brandon Gray has had a great end to the season here at Thunder Road and over at the sister track, White Mountain, that we don't really talk about. I don't get to watch those races. Um, but he was in line to win the championship. He was stuck deep in the field, I don't know, about halfway through the race, he blew, blows the motor coming out of four and just wallops the wall. So, of course, throwing all the liquid on the speedway, the cars behind him just pile in. Sam Karen just caroms off the wall, up on his side, actually landed, kind of propped up against the wall and on the side of his race car. And then a couple other guys, I think um, Ty Delphia piled in, and Kevin Streeter was also involved in this wreck. It was, it was big. I posted it on my Facebook page if you want to scroll through all my sadness from Monday night and go see it. Uh, I was back on last Thursday, so you got to scroll a little bit. It's been a busy week. Um, so that took both Sam Cameron, the defending champion, and Brandon Gray out of the championship and put it in the hands of Kyle Streeter, who came home with a second-place finish on the racetrack and his first-ever Thunder Road track championship. So Kyle Streeter is the Flying Tiger track champion. Logan Powers won the race against Streeter second. And Robert Gordon, who was looking for his first win, led late in the event but got passed towards the end. He finished third, then it was Cam Olette in fourth, and Jason Pelkey, who I believe grabbed second in the points with a fifth-place run. The late model division, again, another crazy championship battle. There was like six cars going into the feature that had a shot to win the championship, and things again got big because of a, a pileup. Uh, Cody Schoolcraft in the 31 was running away with the lead. He was going to win his first ever race, and we had a spin, then we have a restart, and wouldn't you know it, the other 31, Stephen Donahue, who's in line to win the championship, is battling Cody Scrollcraft for the lead. Cody's car starts to get a little bit tight, comes off the corner. At first, I thought that maybe Donahue had gotten into Schoolcraft, and I'm like, why would he do that? He's got the championship in hand, and he just wrecked himself. 
What it looks like Schoolcraft fighting a tight condition comes off the corner, comes down on Stephen Donahue on further review. They pile up big time going into one. Schoolcraft is done. Brandon Lanfear's car is destroyed. Um, I think the 38 car piled in, the 64 piled in. Um, and, and Donahue's in the middle of it. I'm thinking, man, there goes his championship. Maybe Nick Sweet is going to win this thing after all. We go back to racing with about 20 laps or so to go. Caden Fisher, the rookie driver, son of the Hurricane Jamie Fisher, actually ends up winning the race. And he was in championship contention. But despite the damage and despite the crash, Stephen Donahue fights his way all the way back up to fourth and wins the tra- championship in dramatic fashion. So Caden Fisher wins it. I think he finished second in the points. That's a phenomenal... You don't go into Thunder Road as a rookie and have success. You might have a good handicap one night and not luck into a win, but have things go the right way where you get a win or a good finish. Caden Fisher got two wins this year and just missed out on the championship by a couple of points. I think this kid has a bright future ahead of him, whether he runs Thunder Road weekly, goes ACT, or gets an opportunity elsewhere. It'll be interesting to see Caden Fisher, probably one of the biggest prospects coming out of that region in quite some time. He gets the win. Scott Dragon is second. Daryl Morin is third. Stephen Donahue fourth wins the championship. Nick Sweet fifth. Then it's Tyler Cahoon, the governor of Vermont. Phil Scott seventh. Justin Prescott eighth. Chris Pelkey and Jason Corliss rounding out the top 10 and rounding out a great championship season at Thunder Road. They do have the Milk Bowl coming up here in about a week, uh, the end of September, early October. Uh, Always a great race. Probably one that I'll have to watch uh, after it happens because I'll be at uh, New Smyrna, but Nonetheless, great season at Thunder Road. I'm so glad I get to watch that on Flow Racing or, or have the opportunity to watch it on Flow Racing. So that's what happened there. Let's click on through. We've talked news to Myrna. Let's talk Auburndale. They ran twice this weekend, and I want to quickly go over both of them. I got to figure out what date we're on here. Yes, okay. Friday the 15th. They I, I did tune into the AMOD race here which was just an absolute cluster. And we had a, a couple of DQs, Ronnie Abney and Cody Durham. They did have a l- 9, 10, 11, 12 cars show up for the E-Mods on a Friday night, which is great. Uh, this race was a mess. Lots of spins, lots of wrecks, lots of controversy. But Matt McCrary in the 04 gets the win over Jacob Wallace, Jacob McCordale, Eugene Tuminella, who came from the back again. Jimmy Pope was fifth, followed by Brent Jenkins, Jimmy Castleberry, Bray Ganey, Jim Briley. That was the cars that finished. What else did they race that night? There is a couple different things. These, these new Friday things are different. Uh, heat race wins, by the way, went to Cody Durham and Jacob McCorkdale. SRQ Texas mini stocks. They only had seven show up. Mike Engel, no surprise. He got the win there over TJ Cruz and Bill Witherington. Heat race win went to TJ Cruz. Also had Crown Vicks. And they had, let's see, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 cars show up. Two DQs, James Bristol and Richie Akers. Tyler Landis and Austin Taylor did not start the win. And I did not see any of these races, so I'm just going over the results. Top five here is Roger Blemons, Jimmy McLeod, Michael Fuller, Zach Briggs, and Michael Bauer. So that was their, oh, let me give you the heat race winners. I don't want to slide anybody here. Uh, Chase Chance Sosserman, the heat winner of number one, and Tyler Landis, heat winner, In number two, that was totally a butchering of my words, but I think you get the point. And then they raced Saturday. They had Sportsman Twin 50s and Open Wheel Modified. So let's see what went down here. They had A-Mods, one of the support divisions with 11 cars in the field. 
Guess who? Nick Cummins gets the win over Aaron Williamson and Kenny Yule. Jason Deaton was fourth. Curtis Harrington in fifth there. He raised win and went to Nick Cummings. So a dominant performance there. Uh, Pure Stocks in action. They had a decent field of 13. They had Mike Smith get DQ'd. Then Bobby Mobley and Brandon Love, who, if you haven't seen the video, they literally fought it out in the infield, I'm assuming after a heat race because they were DNS here. In the main event, they literally squared up, and I think Brandon Love is regretting his decision to do so because Bobby Mobley is not the guy that I would be messing with on the track or in a uh, boxing field. Uh, James Wright, though, gets the win. No surprise there. Bobby Kelly Jr. in second. Kyle Courtney is third. Casey All fourth. And Aaron Holmes rounding out the top five for the Pure Stocks. He raised win went to Aaron Holmes. Sportsman feature number one. Guess what? Guess who? Brandon Morris gets the win there over Bobby Mobley. And that's, again, why he moved up a spot in our power rankings. Uh, Garrett Larson in the old Taylor Watson machine. He finishes in third. Adam Briggs, fourth and fifth for Keith Lilly with a great run. They started 14 there in race number one. Uh, and then it shows qualifying here. So I don't know if both features are up here or not. I'm not sure if they changed or what. Uh, but that's all I got. Sports from qualifying, Brandon Morris, fast time at a 13.884. Open wheel modified feature. I believe this was a 50 lapper. Good field, man. 15 strong, 14 actually took the green flag. So that's, uh, listen, I'll take that any day for open wheel modifieds. And the win went to Devin McLeod. Good to see him back behind the wheel, the 21 car. He gets the win over Travis Rowland and Steve Heiss Jr. Fourth was Donnie Duchesne. Then it was Dalton Nelson in fifth. You'll see him at New Smyrna this week. LJ Grimm was sixth, seventh for Herb Newman. Uh, Aaron Anderson, eighth, ninth for Kyle Bookmiller. Justin Heiss rounding out the top 10. Good field. Seemed like a pretty good little night of racing over there. Josh Todd, the fast qualifier, 13.737, by the way. Mini stocks back in action. Only six, seven cars showed up. TJ Cruz gets the win. William Kearns, the heat race winner. And they ran Crown Vicks again. It's a lot of racing for these guys back to back like that. Cletus McFarlane was in the house. If you're into that kind of thing, he finished 12th. Uh, but the winner was Austin Taylor. Roger Blevins was second, third for Michael Bauer. Zach Briggs, fourth. James Bristol, the top five heat race winners here to Mike Pitts and austin taylor so that's a quick look at what went down and again you can always watch the hot mic with us live on wednesday nights around seven o'clock or you can go back onto the hot mics page on facebook and recap it that way you get an insight from the guys that are actually there steve and matt and austin wherever he ends up with that said sorry for the pause there let's pop on over to citrus county let's finish up the around the state here and we'll finish up the show Citrus County running super late models and only six cars in attendance. George Gorham gets the win. Brighton Horner is second. Randy Anderson third. Ross Francisco fourth. A.J. Waller fifth. T.J. DeCare with the DQ. We'll get to the rest of the results here from Citrus. I hate the way they have their results laid out because you have to click back and forward and back and forward. Pure stocks were in action. And the win here went to... Cody Struble in the 19 over Larry Walter and Tim Alexander. Sport Wilson, fourth, fifth for Gregory Dick. Looks like they had a field of, I don't want to make sure this is correct. Looks like they had a field of eight. Um, they already have 13 cars signed in for the um, full throttle 125. So I know their, their late model car count hasn't been great, but support the full throttle if you can. Uh, Outlaw figure, or let's see. 
P.O. Figure eight, figure 8, what's that? Piece of? I, I, I don't know. Figure 8 went to Sean Senekosov. I believe this is pro figure 8. I think they forgot the R. Sean Senekosov, the winner of that seven cars, started. They ran 20 laps. Exciting. Um, and I only say that because pro figure 8s don't really do it for me. Mod Mini feature. Seven cars in attendance. Brighton Prevat in the 71. Beautiful race car, by the way. Was the winner over Quint, Quint, Clint Foley. Fred Stoner, Max Seaman, and Mike Curry, the top five. What an unfortunate name. Max Seaman? Oof. I'm sorry. I, I would call myself Maxwell for sure. Mini stocks. They had two heats, so a decent field 11. Eh, not too bad. Uh, Stephen Wyatt, the winner in the 85. Ricky Shaid in second. Ryan Wilson, third. Candelars, fourth. And Stephen Paulson, senior, rounding out the top five there. God, do, figuring these results out from... Speed Hive is a pain. Two Legends car features. So feature number one in a field of seven went to Jesse Martinez. Feature number two, up, 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 up. There it is. Feature number two in a field of six. You always have one or two drop out. Went to Jesse Martinez. So a sweep for Jesse. Good day for him. Not so much for everybody else. They also ran, bear with me here, a couple more to get through. Uh, Ford Outlaws, where they had two heat races. A field of 12, Chris Rumble with the DQ. Jesse Veltman, no surprise, the track, soon-to-be track champion. It's the win over Clinton Hicks. Clayton Coe was third. Chip Kelly, the coach of the Eagles, was fourth and fifth to Wyatt Lowry. And then, and then, they had Bandoleros, red plate. That is the rookie division. Eight of those, Landon Heat in the winner. And finally, to wrap up the show here tonight, the final race look at the Bando Pro feature went to... I'm going to be shocked, right? Oh, I am surprised. Trey White the third won it over Addison Martinez and Case Hawkman. So that is a look at what went down at the Citrus County Speedway. And again, you can tune in to Hot Mike. We'll get our all of our insights together, recap the week, um, a little uh, live-action broadcast. There, my mouth is dry. Um, again, I want to thank... Everybody that called in this weekend, J.R. Longley from the sponsorshipseminar.com, delivering those great sponsorship tips without spoiling the content of what he has in the sponsorship seminar if you sign up for that. I uh, thank William Heinemann. You know, he, he got with me Monday and asked what we had planned, and I said, hey, let's just recap it together. And it was like a, a recap of the night, a recap of his race, a recap, a quick look at his career, all wrapped into one. And I really appreciate that. Thank you to all of our sponsors for your continued support. Thank you to all the listeners, man. You guys continue to kill it with the numbers. It just uh, makes me happy and proud to, to sit in here and record this show. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate it. Uh, fun show. I'll get it all edited here and get it up for you. And we'll see you this weekend at New Smyrna. All kinds of great racing going throughout the state. It's starting to cool off a little bit. It's not nearly as hot as it has been the last couple of months. So get out there, support your local short track. I don't care if you think it's run perfect. If you can't stand the guy that pits in spot number 62, just go out, support the racetrack. Find somewhere that suits you. If it ain't track A, go to track B and keep your mouth shut about track A. Enjoy what we have before we don't have it anymore. And uh, I'm not saying that every night's going to go your way, but try to make the most of it. Give the fans a show they're paying good money to come see you guys race. Don't forget the fans, man. If you can start the feature, 
start the feature. The fans want to see cars on track. If you got to quit on lap two because your stuff ain't right, ain't no shame in it because you're out there, which is more than most people can say. So again, take care of the fans. Take care of your racetracks. Take care of yourselves. Go out there. Have fun. Enjoy that we have a few places left to do this at. And we will be back next week with a recap of everything that goes down in our area, in our realm. And we will talk to you then. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Goodbye.